Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 466 of Longbox Heroes, the Labrigani of podcasts. I'm Todd, driving this sports car with my passenger, Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm actually in the boot of the automobile. That's what oh. they call the trunk over in uh, European countries, because you have your ACDC bag on the passenger seat, and there is no back seat in these cars. That's true. Now it's the Johnny Cash bag with the two pistolas. Oh, right. Uh, maybe I'll have to bounce you from the boot and put my ACDC bag in there as a spare. Then oh, you'll have to that's, ride on the roof. It's a much better plan than me. That's right. I've never seen a Lamborghini with a luggage rack, but we'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> those, uh, you have to get those rubber things that people hang from the tra- the tail hitch for it too. Oh, yeah. Really make it nice and fancy. Mm-hmm. Maybe some curb feelers on it so we don't oh. scrape. <laughs> I wonder if Labrigati makes curb feelers <laughs> to go with your uh, Johnny Cash Pistolero bag. Maybe get some Yosemite Sam back off mud flaps for it. Oh my god, that would be fantastic with a with a Dixie horn on it too. That's that's the way to go. Yeah, <sighs> living large. Listen, this is what happens. When you give Americans nice things. All right. Oh. Usually we just take nice things. That's our way, Joe. Or when given nice things, we make them our own. That is true. We appropriate. I mean, like to, you know, ingrain stuff to our culture. Uh, Put our spin on it. You know, our take. (laughs) Our stamp, if you will. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Right, right, right. So you'd like to hear about our stamp on this podcast there, Joe? Oh, I do. I do. Go ahead. Nice segue, by the way. Right. In the news, we have uh, Batman, maybe the times they are a-changing. Um, also, that's it. That's a slow news week there, Joe. Uh, I just, con- hang on. I just, well, I just want to throw in here, man. We don't take days off here, man. You know, like, we took a day off because I went on vacation. Todd would have did a show, but there was still something here. Man, I tell you, everybody shut down on Labor Day this year. Right. Nobody no, wanted to do nothing. That's right. No days off. That's right. No days off. That's a football thing. But we'll get uh, to that except later. For, except for the one uh, I took the, uh, last month and then your uh, heart kerfuffle. So in, you know, almost 500 episodes, uh, two. Yeah, but I still work, though, when you took your vacation. That's true. That's true. You I did work. I did one of my great interviews, which we have to get. So many ideas floating around this show anymore. I don't uh-huh. I, I, I can't contain it all in my head. But anyway, we have con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Absolute Carnage number 2, 416, and also a, an extra added book, uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man 11. Uh, what we're looking forward to this week, uh, Todd's Art Attack, and also it's your last chance to get in on the biggest thing that we're doing here on the podcast. And if you listen, you can hear Joe containing his excitement. There it is. Maybe it's me containing saying a swear again. <laughs> That's right. You don't need no editing. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm nervous about the bing that I heard at the beginning of the podcast on my end. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't do anything. So. No, it wasn't you. It was me. And it was real close up to 
us starting the show that there was like a little ding on my end. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh no, I hope that didn't go through on the show. It's gonna be hear- it's gonna be a tight edit, is all I'm saying. I don't hear any I didn't hear a bing, so I think you might be good. Yeah. So uh let's get into the only news that there was this week. Uh like I said, a light week. Everybody behaving, keeping their nose clean, and that sort of thing. So there was a rumor. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just giggled, but go ahead. Uh, so there was a rumor that in an upcoming issue of Batman, that they were going to make Duke Fox, uh, the son of Lu- Lucius Fox, that they were going to have him portray Batman. Like, in the cape and cowl, he's Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is not the first time that Batman has been replaced uh, for a period of time, uh, whether it be by Dick Grayson or no one else of any sort of importance. But it has <laughs> happened before in the past. And, you know, there was a lot of other discussions then of like, well, maybe it'll be, you know, Black Lightning. Maybe it won't be an incontinuity story. You know, any of these other whatever, whatever, whatever. And then, of course, the speculation begins about any sort of time that Luke has appeared in a book. Um, and then, of course, there are people rightfully upset about, you know, changing Batman. So, you know, this is what we got for news this week, Todd. Right. I don't know where his first appearance is, but I hope it's in that new 52 Batwing book because I have the first like 10 of those. So speculation corner, come on down. Well, his first appearance is an issue 19 of that run. Of that book? Yes. No, he couldn't have been Bat because he started in Batwing number one. It claims here. Uh, it says Luke Fox's first appearance is in Batman no- Batwing number nineteen. Okay, I thought okay maybe then there was another person that I'm thinking. I get I'm getting a lot of the Bat characters uh, mixed up. That's not the one that became the Robin S character, is it? Yes. All right. Well, I'm thinking of the one that's actually Batwing. That's more likely to me becoming Batman if they're making him black, mm-hmm. which I don't know. And he's another. Uh, Lucius' son, too, I thought. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the, the the actual stats of who's who in front of me. Um, are they saying uh, David Zavambi? That was the one that came from, remember during Grant Morrison's Batman uh, Inc.? All right, he Batman. was like the Batman of Africa? Okay, maybe that's the one that was. Yes, he was Batwing early on. Yes, in Bat in the Batwing run, and then uh, then uh, Lucius Luke Fox came later on. I probably have that nineteen too, and I'm wondering if that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of who created that Batwing. I was wondering because I think I'm wondering if Palmiotti was writing the book at that time. Palmiotti like was Palmiotti. writing the book at that time. Who was? Jimmy Palmiotti was writing the book at that time. Maybe he'll get a maybe he'll get another paycheck. That'd be good. So I don't know. I I really here's the way I look at it. Anybody can can take the place of Batman for a little while, but nobody's gonna want it forever. So it's right. a, it's a limited time offer, and it always comes down to how it is. When when Dick Grayson was Batman, 
There was a lot of good stories from the from the the Big Papa Pump Black Mirror stuff at uh, Detective to uh, I, I I wasn't so big on the Morrison stuff, but later with Damien, I forget who was writing them in uh, Batman and Robin. That that was that was fun stuff. But you know, and then you have your stuff like the 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 other Batman that we don't mention. You know, that wasn't for me. So I, I just look at it, do a good story and I'll enjoy it, and then give me Bruce back after a year. You know, that's what's going to happen. So right, and, and anyone that's upset or worried or whatever it is about this change, once they set in stone what the release date of the next Batman solo movie is going to be. You can count on your calendar for three months beforehand, and that's when Bruce Wayne will be back as Batman. Pretty much. Now, that being said, if they make like like Wally West in the comics and on the in the TV, they make the, the uh, Bruce Wayne black, then all bets are off. He could be black for you know forever. But if they replace Bruce Wayne with a black person as as batman then that that's not you know what i mean which now, I, I honestly don't see them doing no. making bruce wayne black i honestly don't but like I, that's the only way i could see it being forever remember that time when the punisher was black for a while actually i don't there was a time in the mid 90s where as a story uh as a part of an ultimate disguise punisher did something to make himself appear as a black man. I can't imagine that gets a lot of reprints. No, I don't think that does. Or if it does get reprinted, like it got one printing and then it's never been printed again. Mm -hmm. But I can't see DC doing something to change, like, as you mentioned, Bruce Wayne to any sort of other ethnicity, right? Right. But putting a different person in the bat suit for a period of time as Todd mentioned, I'm all for it. Bring it on. As long as it's good stories, hey, man, Batman's Batman at the end of the day, you know? Mm -hmm. um, kids, when they buy a toy off the shelf, they don't care about the guy underneath the mask. And if you could put some toys out, you know, that... Because, uh, okay, so... I would hate to think this way that DC is doing anything of this nature, right? Mm -hmm. But looking at the success of the Black Panther film, of them maybe saying, like, well, how can we have a high-profile Black character? Like, technically, the most high-profile Black character they have is Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, right? I would uh, say maybe Cyborg, but okay. Okay, so... because. Uh, I'm just can be made one way or the other. Right. I'm just nitpicking because John right. Stewart was really the cartoon for a long time, which was iconic. Mm -hmm. But you have Cyborg in the Teen Titan cartoons. There was a bunch of different ones, and he was in the Justice League movie. So, like, that's big to me. But go on. So I I hate to think that some goofball at DC said, you know, it would be a good stunt if we just made batman black to try to like capitalize on something as though it not being a creative decision mm -hmm. but more of a financial decision I, I get what you're saying and i think it probably did happen that way and it, it but there it was like all right and then everybody was like what change bruce wayne black and they're like no 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 put somebody black in the costume they're like oh okay we could do that just in the comic right yeah okay like not on the big screen no, okay, we're good with this. If that's the way it happened, that's the way it went down. 
in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But like I said, at the end of the day, it's I hope it's a good story. I agree. I want to see who's writing it, who who the character is. The like in the book, the motivations for it. Um, does you know? Are we breaking the bat yet again? You know, like how is it? And that's the other thing. Uh, like we, me or you, could get flack as like, oh, you don't like uh, black the story because he's black Batman or whatever. And it's like, no, it's because I've seen this story done twice already, and you're copying a lot of the beats from this story. And it bores me. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I've seen a lot, so you're going to have to do something new and intriguing to get me to be like, oh, the hero's been replaced. You know? So, I don't know. I, I, that's one of the big the big uh, things is like how, how, it, how it comes about. Now, the other part that we didn't touch on with this is, this is supposed to be the kickoff to when Bendis takes over Batman. Okay. So... You know, just throwing that out there as well. At that point, Bendis will be writing Batman, Superman, and Legion. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I just, I just think that's an interesting way for uh, for Bendis to start. Unless that's a palate cleanser to like give Bendis a fresh start, and then mm-hmm. he, when he brings Bruce back, it'll be like new Coke and classic Coke. I don't know. I, I, I have to see how all this plays out before I can give a real opinion on that. Mm-hmm. But I read Batman a lot, you know. Uh, I give Bendis' stuff a try always. I'm interested to see what he's going to do with the Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hung in there with Bat or Superman for as long as I could, and uh, you know, it's I mean, Batman. I, I enjoy his action. His Superman's trying at times. Mm-hmm. The books, I mean, right. So that's really all we got in news. Let's move on to some conventions this weekend. Uh, there is uh, VA Comic Con in Fairfax, Virginia, uh, that Larry Hama is going to be at. Uh, the Hall of Heroes Comic Con in Elkhart, somewhere, wherever Elkhart is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, John Wesley Ship, Mike Grell, and Lori Petty will be there. Lori Petty again making the convention rounds quite a bit this uh, this season. Get get a copy of Tank Girl signed for me. Oh, there you go. Elkhart, Indiana. Indiana. Uh, then there's the uh, Wizard World in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Jason Mimosa will be there. Mm. Uh, the guy who's the Aquaman. Right. And uh, Carl Drogo from my <laughs> right. favorite show, Game of Thrones. That's right, Carl Drogo. Uh, also at that convention will be... Uh, the the voice of all elite professional wrestling, good old JR, Jim Ross, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Kevin Nash. Wonder how he'll hold up his pants. Jim Ross or Kevin Nash? Any of them over at AEW. I hear mm. they can't keep their belts. <laughs> uh, it's just the one guy. Okay. And there might be a lot more to that than meets the eye, but that's for another two or three shows. Right. Uh, but the biggie this weekend, I would say, is the Arkansas Comic Con. Uh, I'm going to guess in Little Rock, Arkansas, because that's really the only place where things happen. Uh, not so much comic book people, but a lot of media guests are going to be there. Uh, Michael Bean of a lot of the Jim Cameron stuff. Oh, uh, Mr. Bean. Cool. No, not that Bean. It's B-E-I-B-E-H-N. Uh, gotcha. 
uh, Greg Sipes, the voice of Beast Boy and formerly the voice of Michelangelo from like two iterations of the Ninja Turtle cartoon ago. <laughs> uh, Kevin Conroy, uh, the voice of Batman from the, Ma- the Batman animated series. And also Mick Foley and Charlotte's grandfather will be there as well. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a parquet. Well, again, uh, someone's trying to show <laughs> Ric Flair these days with their antics. But that's, again, for another podcast. And those podcasts you can hear over on Soon to Be Named Network <laughs> at Soon to Be Named Network.com or Soon to Be Named Network.tumblr.com. Uh, where any of the shows uh, in our like-minded group of individuals go up or anytime we all appear on some other show and you remind me, I'll put it up on the, sh- the site. Uh, we had five days last week of David Kincannon, formerly of Podvocacy, uh, The Everlasting Minute and Wrestling at the Edge of Forever, doing his five-minute uh, takes on the middle part of the social network. Of course, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, this show after, uh, and Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, the newest additions. This is now becoming more of a wrestling podcast network where we have three different shows that are currently covering different things, but things may change there, of course. Uh, at odds with wrestling, myself and Adam, uh, when we're exchanging show notes like a day beforehand, you know it's going to be a crazy week on the show. <laughs> uh, final Wrestling Place where they did do a recap of the recent all-in or all-out event from AEW, as well as comparing makeshift tag teams. That's what their current season is. Uh, This week, talking about Double J, Jeff Jarrett, Owen Hart, as well as MVP and Matt Hardy. And newly added to the network is Wednesday Night Wars podcast. Our good buddy DJ and his friend Brett are going to be talking about the upcoming battle between AEW on TNT, as well as uh, their head-to-head rival NXT, which is moving to the USA Network to go up against things. The Wednesday Night Wars all are over again, and you could find it here on the podcast, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. That, that's the, the wrestling podcast of my choosing right there, mm-hmm. Joe. That's the big one. And also, I really hope Disney Plus gets the Muppet back catalog because I really need to swing the pendulum on the soon-to-be-named network. It's getting frustrating around here. We talked about it. You you record it. You send it to me, and it'll get edited. You, I don't know. Did we talk about that on-air or off-air, about you doing something like that? I think it was on-air, and people were at, like, were interested in, in doing what I did. And I had a couple of ideas that we talked about off air, but I was, I was hoping that I want to see that the, if Disney plus gets a lot of that Muppet catalog, cause that would be really cool for me to see. I'd like them to get it all. If they get it all, then I'm really want to do it. And I, and I have many different ways I want to do it, but otherwise then it might have to be, like you said, like I have to go over and get Josh's DVDs and watch the Muppet show and stuff like that. But I have ideas. We're going to see in in October and November when Disney Plus comes out. I know when they did the big Disney Plus announcement a week or two ago, and they had all the things that Disney has purchased, like communicating with with each other on social media. Right. Like, hey, we're all going to be together in the same place. They they left out the Muppets. I know. The Muppets did announce that they do have like a 15-minute unscripted show that's going to have like celebrities and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm all for that. And I'll watch that. I'll be... 100% 100% fine with that, but man, the Muppets are the Rodney Dangerfield of Disney right now. They need more respect. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say that they get thrown in weird sitcom pilots in the <laughs> 90s that no one watches. What? Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, right. digital sales and freebies. Remember at the beginning of the show I said everyone took Labor Day off? Well, Marvel had, like, a flittering end of a sale. There's, like, no two or three sales going on. And mm-hmm. DC did not update their sale. They're just like, uh, last day to check in with their Labor Day sale from last week, which will be dead by the time this episode goes live. So uh, Images Road to Spawn 300 is still going on. Booms Jim Henson-related things is going on, because I think of the new Dark Crystal show over on Netflix. Yep, there is. And uh, Marvel is having a sale on Alpha Flight stuff. Mm. But, like, that sale's, like, good for, like, another day as this goes live. So, Do it good quick. luck. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those, It's it, and I hate saying this, it's one of those um, non-featured sales because it doesn't have its own dedicated header image. Right. It's just, like, just like block text that says, Alpha flight sale ends on the 5th. And I'm just like, oh, that's so sad. That's right. Like, a lot of times when they do those sales, I don't include them, because I like to include the ones that have, like, the big splashy header image. Right. But because there was nothing this week, I'm like, oh, I guess I gotta put the alpha flight one in there. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) So, all this stuff is in the show notes that accompanies the episode. Uh, And, hey, I'll be remiss if I don't mention this, of course, as well. Um... Also in these episodes, and I don't mention it very often, but whatever your podcatcher of choice is, we have a listing where the show is available. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Player FM, TuneIn, Overcast, Beyond Pod, and CastBox. Now, as I understand it, there may be a difference between Google Play and Google Podcasts, where they're up until maybe like... Six months ago, there wasn't, but there may be now. Um, If you were previously a Google Play person that you were getting the show that way, and now you've switched over to Google Podcasts, and you can't get the show or can't find the show, you know, you can click the direct link that's in the show notes for every single one of these episodes, or like, shoot me a message, shoot me an email, we'll figure it. If your podcatcher of choice is not on the list, I'll make sure that we're on the list of your podcatcher. Sounds good. That's all. We don't got a lot to talk about, so I'm adding extra stuff. Come on. And also, because you did the con news, if you know about a con that we, you know, that's coming up, let us know so yeah. Joe doesn't miss it in the, you know, sometimes the where we get the cons from uh, don't have everything. And, you know, we'd like to promote everything that we can, so well, let us know. I know Dwayne, who listens to the show, Duel Scar, who had tweeted me about that library con that he went to a couple of weeks ago that Colin mm-hmm. Bunn was at, and he sent me the link. But again... Like, send me it, like, a week before, two weeks before, so I could just throw it in the show notes. Right. That's all. So let's move on to what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? I would like to start with Thor 16, uh, written by Jason Aaron and uh, drawn by Mike Del Mundo, which is the end of his Thor run on the book, proper which we still have king thor to come but this story story is basically uh uh, thor is now the all-father and they're having a big party a celebration for him and they're waiting for him to show up and he's off doing good deeds answering prayers as the all-father while we get everybody's 
everybody's story that's been around in Thor pretty much getting wrapped up. Like we see, even though it's over in Valkyrie, we see Jane Foster and Heimdall with what they're doing. We uh, get to see uh, Thori, the dog, uh, what, like what's happening with him. And basically we get a little bit of everybody and it's great closure. And we get to see like, uh, Oh, uh, uh, Odin, who's like the, the biggest change to me in all this is he's finally come to respect his son. He wants to give this big speech at the party about how, you know, he's come into his own and he's excelled over him. And, but, but he's getting madder and madder because Thor is not coming because he's grown too. He's, he's become, he's answering prayers. He's doing what the all father should have been doing. And Odin didn't because he was too pompous and, you know, into him, had too big of an ego. And this was very well done. This gave me chills at times um, when they were like, you know, announced like long may he thunder when they just uh, do a, a cheer to him. And we get to see the, the past Thor go back. I like his thing with he gets some words of wisdom from old King Thor and, he he grows a little bit and then in the end we see old king thor go back into the future and that leads directly right into uh the four issue mini which should be the end of everything jason aaron's done on his eight-year run on thor close to eight years i don't have the, the numbers in front of me but this i think as a thor leading into the four, four miniseries was a great send-off to this book and it makes me want to read king thor this second and get the ending of, of this whole giant, you know, run of, of comics. Right. So this kind of paints a picture that Thor Odin's son is going to be a very different King than previous Kings. Right. And I I did like, and I, I I hate to make the joke, but while Thor is off and was he answering, like, I, I guess it was a little more, um, Vague. Subtle that he right that he was answering prayers. He was just kind of on Midgard cleaning up the like. I took it more as though he was on Midgard cleaning up the mess from the War of the Realms that happened on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like him, you know, going around and like I know stuff happened here, so let me go fix it. Stuff happened here, let me go fix it. Kind of in his Thor, and I don't want to say clueless way. But kind of just like, oh, this is the way that things are and not really understanding. I, I kind of like Thor still as a fish out of water with some people, with the different types of people. Even though he d- has acclimated himself to a lot of Midgard people, a majority of the Midgard people that he's acclimated himself to are superhero type people. That being said, I did like while all this is going on back on Asgard, it was the Poochie thing of like, if Poochie's not around, just ask, where's Poochie? Well, Thor's not at the party. Everyone just asking, where's Thor? Right. And that's essentially what this book was. But I thought it was a great wrap-up, a great bridge issue. And almost a great one-off issue. You know, Mm -hmm. yes, there's been a lot that's gone on over the last, like, four, five, six years, whatever it is, that uh, Jason Aaron has been writing Thor. But... This is kind of like the zero issue to whatever the King Thor series is going to be. Mm-hmm. I, I I agree. The one thing that I would like to say is um, about it. It's very subtle to me about the answering the prayers is he had that issue like a while back where he actually remember he actually went around answering prayers. 
because he was the god of thunder and he thought he should do it. It was like he was trying to humble himself for a little while. In this, the pastor, when he's building the churches, he's like, you know, we can never afford insurance. It, it burned down, blah, blah, blah. But we sure prayed about it. That we could do, and well, I guess it looks like the good book says, and God works in mysterious ways. So he's kind of implying, like, we prayed, and you showed up. So I do believe, like, from that past issue, I'm putting, I'm putting like, two and two together. I could be wrong, yeah, like, but this is my take of it, and this is him, like, just running around doing this again, like that, that one-off issue where he answered prayers. But right. like I said, that's my take on it. But I totally agree with you. This if if they if there was no uh, King Thor stuff, like and he was just like from here on out, I'm the All Father, and now it's Thor Adventures from here on out. I, I this could have been the end of a end of his run, mm-hmm. but we still have the 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 Loki in the future and the God Butcher and all that stuff mixed up. So can't like yeah, I that's the way I look at it too. It's been really good. I like it this has issue. Been. Me too. Yep. Uh, so my pick from last week was Absolute Carnage number two, written by Donnie Cates uh, with art by Ryan Stegman. And hey, Todd, here's why I like this book. Go ahead. Uh, so in this book, uh, Carnage is searching for anybody that had the symbiote in them, right? Mm-hmm. That's a thing called a codex. And there was one person who uh, didn't get exhumed by Carnage. And it was uh, the person who Eddie Brock had the uh, the kid with. Because mm-hmm. it seems as though the Codex moved from that lady to the kid. Uh-oh, Kid Venom a-coming. Also, uh, uh, Norman Osborn-possessed uh, Carnage is second in command to Cletus Cassidy-possessed Carnage. And uh, Cletus Cassidy lets Norman know that, that he's second in command, and the day will come where they'll have to, like, you know, fight or something. So, you know, that's going to happen. That's the story. I'm good. You know what I mean? I, it's very straightforward. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Are you not enjoying Absolute Carnage? Uh, I, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. To me, it's it's okay. I was over this like when we discussed uh, the first issue that it was very long and I was kind of confused. This one, this one's more straightforward and I'm fine with it. The one thing that I kind of wish that they would do with this book is do more of uh, – do something to differ, d- uh, make different – carnage from like uh norman osborne and stuff because i get very confused looking i'm like as they're running at you i'm like well which one's carnage and which one's you know like the, the green goblin guy and it, that's one of the things i would like to do because they all look the same to me in the in the in the symbiote costumes and then uh you know how and it has nothing to do with absolute carnage but i read the venom book yeah i read that too and that book only confused me more so I, I I'm enjoying it. I'm re- I'm going to read the entirety of this because of the fact I do believe, and we've said it before. Donny Cates is doing this. He's doing Silver Silver Black. He's doing. It's all going to tie together. Thanos, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's all coming together. So I don't want to miss anything for six or eight eight issues or whatever this is going to be. I like it. I don't love it. I'm in on it at this point because I think it's not going to be super important, but it's part of the overall story. So I'm like, I'll read the weakest part to get to the better stuff. That's the way I look at Absolute Carnage. I think it's already been teased that Venom is going to die, quote unquote. Uh, But nobody really dies, you know? What? Uncle Ben has never come back. Hmm, I think he has. 
I don't think so. I think maybe he just talked to his spirit, but he's never come back. It used to be him and uh, Bucky, but we all know what happened with Bucky. So I don't want to give spoilers away in case you didn't see Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. But do I want to ask what confused you about Venom? Because Venom kind of takes place during this. Right. I have no idea who that group of symbiotes are. No idea. Like, they just show up. There's no explanation as to who they are that I remember. In Absolute Carnage, there's no mention of this group of symbiotes. They're just people that have had symbiotes on them. And then, at one point, the maker, who's the ultimate Reed Richards, is like, oh, you're just a little kid under that symbiote. Well, that's not going to save you because I'm a, I'm a dirtbag. And they, that it doesn't. he doesn't end up hurting her or him, I forget. But I'm just like... I don't know who any of these people are. I just like, to me, this is, this is going to be a big game of, all right, Carnage is Cletus Cassidy. Venom is Eddie Brock. The rest of these symbiotes are interchangeable. Right. Because I have uh, no history of. Okay. So with that being said, I think we were led to believe in Venom that those ones that showed up to come after uh, Eddie's son and Franklin. Mm-hmm. Were the original five split-off symbiotes from way back in the original Venom miniseries, Lethal Protector, way, way, way back in the day. Okay. But then it's revealed that they're not because there's a little kid in one. Like, it's so, you know, and again, yes, at the end of the day, the only people that really matter who's in the Carnage symbiotes are Carnage himself, Cletus Cassidy, and Norman Osborn. Until there's the one that shows up at the end of Absolute Carnage, who we're supposed to know who it is. And between me and you, as much Venom and Carnage and Spider-Man stuff uh, that I read, I don't remember who that person is because, you know, everybody's kind of like a Carnage or Venomy person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm sure there's three more episodes where they will, uh, episodes, issues where they'll explain this to me. Okay. Fair enough. Like I said, I'm just, it's not my cup. It's not my lore that I know a lot about. So, it gets confusing. You know what I mean? That's right. They're going to throw a lot of symbiote at me and I don't, you know, I don't know. So like I said, I'm not hating it, right. but I'm not enjoying it. And four ninety nine a pop makes it a little less palatable. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. And there's only three more issues left. They haven't, uh, there, there may have been some delays, but they haven't added any extra issues yet. Right. And I'm not picking up anything that's not uh, Donnie Cates written. So, right. So the last book uh, that we're going to discuss is one that Todd asked me to add to the list at the 11th hour, literally um, 12 minutes to go, but, <laughs> yes. or whatever. There's like some sort of joke with that, but it was Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 11, written by Tom Taylor with art by Juan Cabal. Mm-hmm. So you go ahead and take point on this one, Todd, being you the Spider-Man guy on the show. That's true. Basically, this book is a one-shot, and it's literally the friendly neighborhood Mary Jane. The book starts out with uh, with Peter Parker coming home after a late night of fighting trolls left over from the War of Realms. He ends up talking to Mary Jane. He ends up passing out before he can go back out and patrol the city because he's been working so hard. And Mary Jane goes about her day to help Aunt May, who... Uh, as we know from this book and Amazing Spider-Man has cancer and she's going through treatment. So she helps her with, with, with something. And then she, Mary Jane gets on the subway and the troll that 
one of the trolls that Spider-Man was fighting is in the the the, the subway tunnels. She ends up help defeating it with the help of somebody else who shows up, and then she goes back and wakes up uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, who's sleeping the same way uh, he sh- Spidey did to Mary Jane at the beginning of the book. So it's poetry, like it rhymes. But the overall arc of this is basically what Mary Jane is to Peter and what she is like separate and everything. And to me, this is one of those books that has, has, has everything, Joe. It's got, you know, uh, Spider-Man, it's got Mary Jane. It's got bagels for me. It's got wigs for you, but you know what it has overall? It has a ton of heart. This book is one of those books as I'm reading, I got a little bit of goosebumps where she's talking about Peter and responsibility and what he is to the world and how he's, you know, he, he, he takes too much upon his shoulders and she's not there to save Spider-Man, there's a great line. She's like, I'm there for Peter. And I'm like, I don't know. I love this book. And it makes me love Tom Taylor more. Because every once in a while, I read a, I read a book where, where Tom Taylor writes. And I go, why isn't this This guy needs to not be on the character adjacent book. They need to give him the character book. They they don't go, don't give him Batman Annual 2. Give him Batman. Don't give him Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Give him Spider-Man. He just needs the cachet book and to write like this to become the next big name in comics. He's he's already there. He just needs that push to get over, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so uh, someone, whether it be, because he writes stuff here uh, for Marvel and he writes stuff for DC, one of the companies need to give him the ball. Mm-hmm. Give him that big money book and promote and like treat Tom Taylor like he is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he did get Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, but that was at the time where they said, like, okay, there's only going to be one Spider-Man book, and that's Amazing Spider-Man. And then they did Spectacular Spider-Man. And then they did Friendly Neighborhood Sp- Spider-Man, and they put him on the lead on it, but right off the rip, he was, like, third book down. Right. And I know we've kind of gone over his credits before, but he hasn't... He, even if he has gotten a big-tier character, he never gets that big-tier push. And if he gets the big tier character, he gets the big tier character in an alternate reality. Because he did all those, because Tom drew them. He did all those, uh, I forget what they were called, where they... Injustice. Injustice, Gods Among Us, which was the video game, which is great. You could do whatever you want. You make Superman bad, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're all fighting. And they did, they did bank. Those uh, uh, Injustice books did bank. Because I know, like, what, you know... uh, residuals are were on that and he and like and he's now at dc i think the thing he's doing at dc is deceased which is great you get to play with all the big characters but it's all in a zombie apocalyptic dc world he need like we said he they need to stop fooling around and hand the ball off to him and give him I'm trying to think like what can like give him Flash, give him Wonder Woman, give him something. None of this, you know, like the Brave and the Bold. Like that's the book he'll get. And I no, he doesn't need that. So you very much think Tom Taylor is really good. You think he's on the precipice to break out, whatever it is. Right. I think he's good. Um so, I thought yeah. you made me read this just because there was a scene in a bagel shop at the beginning. And wigs. And wigs. Uh, you have not read, like, I've read a lot more Spider-Man stories than you have. Right. I felt, while this was good, and there was heart here, 
I feel as though I've read this Spider-Man Mary Jane style story at least seven or eight times. Fair enough. And this was probably like the second or third best iteration of it. It felt very telegraphed. Like, again, again, spoilers at this point, you know, whatever. It's a one-off issue. I, I do suggest you read it if you want to read a fun Mary Jane story. Uh, and kind of, you know, what her relationship to, to Peter means and Peter to her and so forth. But Peter's fighting one of the leftover trolls from War of the Realms. They never mention War of the Realms by name. They just say it's a troll left over from that thing. Mm-hmm. So you're not confused, really. It's just that thing. Whatever. Whatever. Move on. And as soon as he mentions, like, oh, I thought I got him. And then he mentions about the dark. It's like, okay, the story is being telegraphed. Right. But that's not a bad thing. It makes it a lot more reader-friendly as opposed to the troll showing up for no reason. There's a troll. There's a reason the troll shows up mm-hmm. for Mary Jane being able to figure out, Oh, if I turn the lights on really bright, that'll, you know, that'll help us stun the troll or whatever. We get that established a little bit earlier on in the book. So everything you need to know is in this book, which I'm fine with, but as someone who's read this story or an iteration of the story many times, I'm like, okay, everything's being telegraphed. I get where you're going with this. And then the Spider-Man that shows up to a sister. Okay. You know, that's great. I'm not sure if this is the first time I've been there meeting, but I really like their interaction the most because that was the most different thing in this book. Right. And she kind of puts him over too. Like it's, it's a nice, right. you know what I mean? Like I've, I, I've been around and like, you're okay, kid. And it's like, I like that. Like I said, I guess it, it would be like you reading like the, the great flash story that I've read seven times. I right. get it. But I just think, like I said, I think this is really well done. And I don't know. I just have a, I just I just really like Tom Taylor. And there is a small part of me that we, we can get some mileage out of a bagel and wig. You know what I mean? But all, all joking aside, that's not why I sent the book along. Like, if I'm having you read a book, I at least believe in it. I hope you enjoy it. If you don't, that's a swing and a miss. But it would have to take a lot of gags for me to go, we're just, we're just reading this because there's bagels involved, Joe. Now, so. I, I want to say this. Um, And you had mentioned, of course, about the subplot of Mary Jane taking Aunt May going out for uh, wig shopping, right? Right. So let me read to you the original solicitation text for this issue and the current solicitation text for this issue that accompanies it both on Marvel's website and on Comixology if you were to purchase it there. Right. So they're both for the same issue, though. Both exact. It's both for Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man issue eleven. It's the same cover of the one that you had me read, where it's Mary Jane putting on the Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. And hang on, let me grab the Comicsology one so I'm not made to look a fool. Because a man in my position cannot afford to look ridiculous, Todd. That is true. Great man before me once said that. Uh huh. Unbelievable. I want to make sure that it's up on Comicsology. It was before when I read it. Mm-hmm but sometimes my mind is hazy. Okay, so, it is different on Comixology. So, the write-up on Comixology says, we haven't seen Mary Jane since issue one, but that's going to change with this almost all MJ issue. MJ saves Spider-Man, helps Aunt May, and basically saves the day. Face it, readers, you've just hit the jackpot. Okay? That seems like an accurate depiction of this book. Okay, here's what it is on Marvel's website. All the threads laid down since issue one come together in a way that you'll never see coming. The rumor, 
under York and classified come colliding together. All why May and Peter, uh, all why all while May and Peter deal with her condition. No mention of Mary Jane whatsoever. That was, I think, last issue. Okay, because that's what they have on issue 11 on their website. Right, because now, this being said, I'm hoping, I think, that's just a crazy, that's Marvel mixed up. Because I know that they announced in this previews that uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man is done. Is whatever, well, let's not get into the whole who's on first routine that me and you have. It's over. It's done. It's canceled. It's, they're not making any more. What? Uh, right. Uh, but they're, they're, they're doing that. And that's the course. They're saying it's actually the course of the book that this book wasn't made to be around. It was going to be Tom Taylor writing a story. But I also heard rumblings of Tom may have signed an exclusive with DC. Or he's doing something. They're giving him something. So I'm hoping that this book ending... And they kind of gave it... Because he was doing it, they gave it a little bit more. So a couple extra issues. So I don't know if that is the mistake. That this was a filler issue. And we're going to get that in the next one. There's a whole bunch of weird things going on with that that I read. So I don't know. Or if it's just a straight up Marvel website mistake. Which would never happen. Because they're like on the ball. No? Yes? Maybe? No. Uh, so, but yeah, so issue issue 10 was the climactic end of arc 2 puts Spider-Man face-to-face with a villain who's secretly plaguing the Mar- Marvel Universe since World War II. The villain weaponizes pain and uses Spider-Man's painful history to threaten the web-slinger like never before. Right, which was actually a really good issue, a good plan, because it was a villain who... who uh, who used his like psychic powers to, to to get stronger from grief, and he was running a GoFundMe, so he was getting all these people a company for GoFundMe, and he was having all these people who have horrible things in their lives and they need money, and he was bringing them in to like he's like oh like you have this disease and you need to get an operation, and I was like it, it wasn't the greatest story I'll I'll give Tom Taylor that, but I really like the idea of like a GoFundMe to find people who are in anguish to feed off their pain. I'm like, that's not a bad plan. That's, and it had the prowler, which we all know is from the greatest Spider-Man movie ever. He was in that animated one into the spider verse. Right. So here's what I'll say to you, Mr. Tom, uh, Mr. Todd, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Taylor, uh, yesterday tweeted out that just said, I have a new comic coming. Watch for hints in the coming days. Right. Uh, and the only hints that he gave um so okay so uh somebody asked everyone dies and he says no not everyone more soon and then put a hashtag n then somebody asked marvel dc or neither and then he said yes the marvel the new comic is definitely one of those three things and then the hashtag changed from n e from n to n e okay so uh, obviously, he's going to start hinting more and more as to what the book is. Mm-hmm. Whatever the book is, I'll jump on with you for issue one and see how it ends. Okay. I think he put N-E on there because he'll take N-E title they'll give him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully this is the beginning of that push that he so rightfully deserves. Uh, you know, right. kind of be put out there as like, hey... This is the guy. We took the time to sign him to an exclusive deal. 
let's push him as stuff. You know, let's say Tom Taylor above, like, whoever the character is sort of thing. Right. Name uh, name above the title. The yes. marquee. And, you know, if we haven't talked about Marvel enough, in the interest of fairness, uh, returning from his previous illness and playing X-Men arcade games, I turn the show over to my friend James for the Mutant Minute. October 12th, 1,000 years in the future. Mutant carcass in alley this morning. Sentinel blast on burst stomach. This city is afraid of me. I have seen its true face. The streets are extended gutters, and the gutters are filled with muties. And when the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. The accumulated filth of all their sex and murder will foam up about their waists. And all the Summers and the Logans will look up and shout, Save us! And I look down and whisper, Negative. Apocalypse is a Greek word meaning revelation, an unveiling or unfolding of things not previously known and which could not be known apart from the unveiling. As a genre, apocalyptic literature details the author's visions of the end times as revealed by an angel or some other heavenly messenger. The Apocrypha are the parts of early Christian writing which didn't make it into the final agreed-upon version of the Bible. To put it in modern geek terms, they're the extended universe that you can compare and contrast against what is canon. Whether official or unofficial, canon or fanfic, apocalyptic apocrypha give us hidden portents of possible end times. If you'll remember in an earlier Mutant Minute, I said it was weird that we have seen how all this business to do with Krakoa and the separatist ethno-nationalism and the emergence of Nimrod and the Sentinel program was all written in stone. After all, we were exploring Year 1, Year 100, and Year 1000 of the X-Men all at once. So the future was prescriptive, and this was all doomed to end in disaster. Not so. It turns out that everything in that horrible future we were seeing was all in Moira McTaggart's very last life before she reincarnated one last time, eager to grab some clothes, boots, and a motorcycle, and stop Nimrod from emerging once and for all. Moira worked with Apocalypse in that future, to gain the knowledge of how Nimrods are made, and this led us to the suicide mission that today's X-Men are now engaged in. Apocalypse heralded the destruction of the future. He believed in survival of the fittest, but true to his namesake, he provided revelation. Images of a destructive future are all around us. Will it be that we drown in the gutters of a plastic ocean? Or will Brexit get to us first? Is there Cheeto dust on the big red button? Hickman asks us, with enough advanced knowledge, can apocalypse be avoided? As emergent AIs develop, will we put a better world into place through collective action and empathy? Or are we doomed never to find the salvation of Zion? Does it matter if we choose Kitty, Moira McTaggart, or even Hugh Jackman to send into the past? 
Does taking the red pill in 2019 still give true knowledge about the world around you? Or does it just make you a smelly neckbeard that hates women? Faced with the destruction of the planet, will we make the right choice? Or will we wish we wish we never killed that fish? Donut? What's a donut? A viral post this week said that everyone thinks that going back into the past and affecting one tiny change will affect the entire future. But very few people believe that tiny steps in the right direction in the present day from all of us done right now will affect the world our children will live in. The X-Men gain insight from Apocalypse. They stand and they fight. Will you? Let's fight for a better world together. Next week on the Mutant Minute! Thank you very much, James. And of course, you can follow James on Twitter at JamesEnda1. Uh, I should have said up front that there were spoilers in regards to the current X-Men books and that, huh? Yeah, that is what you should be doing. But boy, leave it to that, James. You know, four and a half minutes there, and he single-handedly made this the most political longbox heroes in the history of the Lamborghini of podcasts. That's right. So, uh... Thank you uh, to James for uh, giving everyone whatever's going on in the X-Men books. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what James read. That's what we read. Now let's look forward to what's coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern time or so, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get them in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting for the trade, however it is that you're getting your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I are attempting to guess, as we do every year, what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd has the lead over me with seven correct guesses. Uh, it is a fool's errand to continue, but no one has never not said I am not a fool. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of double negatives in there. Yes, there are. I'm not uh, sure what you're saying with all those negatives. So, Todd, you started the show, so go on, guess. Hmm. Is the book you're looking forward to most Doomsday Clock 11? Well, yes, only because I can't look forward to Doomsday Clock 12 because that hasn't been solicited in the calendar year 2019. Right, right. And I would assume that the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is also Doomsday Clock number 11. Right, because most Doomsday Clocks go up to 10. This Doomsday Clock goes all the way to 11. So I'm ready for it. So we discussed it a couple of weeks ago that, uh, and no action, no action on this. Right. Will 12 be in the December solicitations or will we roll over to 2000? Will this book not be available uh, under your Christmas tree? I believe in my naive little heart. Yes. That 12 will be solicited for December and will come out probably... <laughs> that Christmas week where they only put out one book. And that way, like, DC can have that big end of the fourth quarter have that last book out. Maybe even, maybe even if they get it a smidge earlier, a smidge earlier, you could have, like, the last week have the, the Doomsday Clock hardcover come out because if they have the printing they could just make them like do that quick turnaround to get a, a fourth quarter 
but that's just like wishful thinking on my part. But he has hit since they started doing the last couple issues. He has hit every like what like three months and a half ish. So it'll be right around the middle of December. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I think like they gave him the they they, they you know they gave him the said like we need this out by the end of the year. Even though he's he, he's been slow. He they they've been kind of doing it like I don't know I look at it as they want this is business now this is we want the for the fourth quarter right so they did cancel the pre the three previously solicited issues of Shazam right uh, and they have not resolicited them yet so all you know all uh, all targets are on getting that last issue of Doomsday Clock out I would like to think that it's going to be out by the end of the year I don't have a lot of hope that it's going mm-hmm. to be uh, but. If DC can get this done, you get issue 12 and the trade or the hardcover, whatever it is, both out in December. You get issue 12 out maybe like in week one or two. You get the trade, hardcover, whatever, collecting the whole thing out in one of the last two weeks, like Todd mentioned, that weird uh, non-book ship week. Because isn't it like Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve this year? I think Or is it Christmas Day? Right. We were talking about this over on At Odds. No, Wednesday, right. yeah, Wednesday is actually Christmas Day. Right, so they would have the books. They would let them do it one day early. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm thinking, maybe, like, you know, and also the other thing, I'm wondering with Jeff Johns being the writer and the architect over at DC, I'm wondering if they have to, like, because Shazam has been put on the back burner, like you said, that they have to get Doomsday Clock out because whatever ends at Doomsday Clock leads right in to that three Joker story. And it's like, that's one of them that you can't do. Like we can move stuff around. We can have, you know, millennium, maybe millennium is involved with the Legion with doomsday clock 11. So we had to hold off, but to get the three Jokers, we need doomsday clock 12. We can't do it in any other order. So it's like, now this needs to come out because we need the next big book. That's going to be late. The three. Well, and again, looking at the calendar, you get, Issue twelve out sometime in December, and you get issue you get the the trader hardcover out on January first, kick off the new year with right. Doomsday Clock, you know, right? And then hopefully not long behind that, you get the three Jokers because I think like J- Jason Fabok's been you know putting out on Twitter pictures of pages from that. So I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see. Right. By then, definitely Stargirl will be over where he's writing anything because the the series will be out. And done by December, I think. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe it'll be full press ahead on that stuff. We shall see. Maybe they just scrap whatever they're doing for Shazam and just kind of sit on it until Shazam 2 is ready to go. The movie. Shazam, yeah. Shazam, I don't know what they're doing with that. That's going to be so, so... Like, I wouldn't even be surprised if he didn't come back to Shazam at this point. Because it's so right. lukewarm. You know, like... Why it's it doesn't sell, you know, it's not going to sell the way Doomsday Clock, and it's not going to sell the way the three Jokers will, you know. So, I, I don't know, man. If Shazam was on time and it was out, you know, right around when the movie was coming out, the movie was kind of like a surprise hit, mm-hmm. no. maybe it might have been a different story, but yeah, you're, you're you're correct. Shazam is lukewarm right now at best, right? I bet you if you go talk to certain people and what their sales sheets say on, on Shazam, even at its highest, when it had those first couple, that it wasn't taking the world by storm, and no bounce or bump from that movie is going to help it. Like, no. 
like that, you know, when, when, when you're at issue three or four, you know what your sales are and they're not going up, you know? So. All right. So, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done over these past years, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. We've had some clamoring, both privately and publicly, Mm -hmm. uh, for a return of something like that. Yes, which I'd be interested in. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. Let's talk. Yes. But not right now. No, Uh, not now. Because we want to, ha- we don't want to have a long show, Joe. Well, no. Listen, after dark is where we do our planning. If you want to get the insight of what's going on on the future of not only these shows, the network, but also what Todd and I are doing, go listen to us over on After Dark. And hey, if you want After Dark er- early, five bucks a month on our Patreon is going to get you After Dark two days before everyone else, so you could be one of those cool kids that are talking at the water cooler at your jo- job, school, where do kids go? I don't know what kids do these days. Your places even have water coolers. Anyway, hey, I listen to this show two days early. How would you get it two days early? I have to wait till Friday to get it. Sign up for the Patreon. This is a conversation that I imagine happens every day at every job or school in the history of the world. I would say that's how it goes down every day. You can uh, go to our store, of course, little store button there, buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more fancier logos of soon be named network at odds with wrestling, all sorts of things, check out our T public store. And of course you can always support us with no extra cost to you by using our Amazon click through across the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. does not cost you a penny extra. I don't know how tariffs and taxes work. If you're purchasing out of the country, our UK one got shut off due to inactivity. Oh, Yes. That's because they wear shirts on the other side of the road over there and they don't fit right. Oh boy. Uh some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through <laughs> this past week. Uh speaking of shirts, someone purchased a uh New Japan Pro Wrestling Tee uh tank top thing. And they claim that it's from a certain uh <laughs> t shirt company, and it was <laughs> odd to see their uh shirts for sale on Amazon. Uh, I wonder if you purchase them through Amazon, you get them within the same month that you purchased them. That's interesting. Uh, somebody also purchased Oki by Vince Gill. Uh, somebody also purchased the Marvel Legends Spider-Man stealth suit action figure. Someone also purchased the Funko Pop and Buddy from the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is Sabrina with Salem. Uh, somebody also purchased Marvel Thor, The Dark World, and Doctor Strange movie posters. And someone purchased two uh, Merry Christmas Charlie Brown. Uh, Brown, listen to me. Merry Christmas <laughs> Charlie Brown play a sound books that come with a Snoopy Christmas plush. You see where Brown and sound were in my head at the same time, and that's why it got all jumbled like that. Uh, I, I think Charlie Brown is a parody thing. Oh, okay. But that's a different, you know, take on it. You might have to ask Doug about that. Charlie, not Charlie Cajun, but Charlie Brown. Right. Huh? Huh? That's my try to lame pun. Nailed it. All right, good. Good. The pun master said I did well, so. I don't get it. Right. You have to explain it. That's when it's really good, Joe. Nah, that's okay. I'm not going to explain nothing. So, right. uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? 
Yes, we did from a Disney discussion podcast. Um, here's one they got on a Disney cruise last year. It's on my son's wall stitch by Gus, a cast member on the Disney. It says magic. I'm thinking he means Disney magic, which is one of their cruise ships, but it's a stitch from Lilo and stitch. And I like to think that uh, you start your way up to be an animator at Disney by working like you stoke the boiler on the cruise ships <laughs> that you work your way up to like cast member. And then it's like captain of the ship. And then you can go to the animation studios because this is actually really, really good. So I'm, I'm hoping that he does, he goes on to his dream to be an animator. Um, also we have from a T bolts seven twelve. He's like, Hey, Todd's art attack. You see this Superman below. I'm so grateful to say this is mine. And it was picked up this year at it's terrific con yet. Another thank you to Mr. Jer- Jerry Ordway for this. And it was a tweet from Mr. Ordway that put out a flying Superman. And he does one of the best soups in the biz, though. I do think he shouldn't be smiling. He should be snapping necks. And Jerry would get, you know, more commissions. But no, actually, I, I love this Superman. And it's it's fine. And also, as a bookends, um, uh, me, I put out a Captain Marvel that I also got at a terrific con. It's on art board. It's not in my sketchbook. Uh, it's by Jerry Ordway at Captain Marvel. He's my definitive uh, big red cheese artist. And it's funny because when me and Josh both went for our you know commissions we both did it separately through emails and he's and josh is like i want superman and i'm like have marvel we both got the same question he's like you get two choices do you want him flying or do you want the heroic standing pose and i chose the heroic standing pose and josh chose the flying one but when he always does the heroic standing pose with uh captain marvel he usually does i took the gamble i rolled the dice on this one joe and he usually does the lightning behind him like he just transformed and so he ended up doing that for me and it he crushed it i love my jerry ordway captain marvel it's really good uh he does good work uh and i'm glad he's still out there uh you know kind of an elder statesman Mm -hmm. of comic books and still out there doing stuff you know at conventions Doing sketches, doing the thing, right? And he told me one story. Now that I got the 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 the, uh, the art attack here, is what I was just discussing. I had to ask him about. Do you remember when he was doing the Power of Shazam comic, the ongoing, and they had the Mister Mind translator card because they had the whole font that they did that we, when the translator was broken, you couldn't read it. But if you got the card, you sent away for it and everything. Do you remember that at all? Yes. Okay, I was told the story that that Mike Carlin was his editor at the time, and the I forget who the assistant editor, but boy, were they mad at Mike Carlin for uh, for Jerry Ordway for all of that because he came up with that, and then it was like, hey, send us a self uh, stamped envelope, and we'll mail you the card back and everything, and so Mike Carlin, the editor of the book, is xeroxing. Uh, uh, decoder cards, and then cutting them up with the big, the big like guillotine thing, and sending them out himself. He he would. They were they were like, oh, he's like Mike was just so mad because they were using so much of the editorial resources. It was paper. It was ink. It was their time to mail them out. I want to say it was over. It was like a couple thousand they had to mail out over the sure because even like and again that book wasn't like a huge selling book but it was like a cult status book and back in the days i would say like a cult status book was probably like 
seven to eight thousand copies a month. I want to say it was more than that because the book ran for for forty over forty some issues. So, and I want to say now that the that the number in my head is somewhere around they mailed out eighty eight thousand cards, which seems like the right number to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he was like, man, because he they're like we're giving it to the temps and doing this but in the end mike had to do it himself and that's taken him away from from editing books and i was like i love this story and then they're doing the uh the omnibus of the power of shazam which we all know dc omnibuses always get made and they're always perfect and he was lobbying (laughs) he's like he's lobbying that they have to put he's like you have to put the decipher card not a card, but you have to at least get a copy and put it in. He's like, so I'm hoping that if you get the big omnibus of my power of Shazam, that they listen to me and they put it in there. So I was, I found all that fascinating. Yeah, I just print it on the dust jacket, right? There you go. Or just misprint it out of order or whatever. I don't know. Because they, like I said, they, they, they have a 100% track record. Oh, boy. Good times. Good times. So, hey, last but not least, before we final, uh, finalize the show, as you're listening to this, you've got about 48 hours, give or take, maybe less, yes, to that's... sign up for and make your pigskin pickums for the uh, upcoming football season that begins this Thursday. Yes, the only thing that creeps up sooner than the football season is pumpkin spice stuff. And one's good and one's bad. I'll let you decide. <laughs> Why can't they both be bad? Oh, I wish they both could be good, but that's eggnog season that laps oh, okay. over with, uh, with football season. I almost swore there when I said that they don't mess around with uh, eggnog. It comes December 1st, it disappears December 31st. You don't see eggnog creeping up into, like, the fall. Like, it's like, oh, it's mid-October, time for some eggy goodness. No. It's- that's right. It's nog season. The nog season is upon us, Joe. I, uh, but, you know, you only get it for 30 days and then we have to wait another, you know, 11 months. Right. And the government takes it away. Exactly. All right. So we got about 34 people or so signed up. And I do believe, like, even, like, last year when we did it and the year before, we get, a, like, when people get to the final bump of it that that's when you get like a a burst of people because the fancy gentleman hasn't signed up yet either. Mm. So I don't know. I, you know, I'm going to have to, when you talk to him, when you record, mention it to him, put it in your notes. Good, sir. I may put it in the show notes for at odds this week to remind everyone, you know, as part of the greater, um, you know, the long box heroes arm of the soon to be named network. If I could get it across on all my shows. Sure. Right. It should be a law that if you want to be on the soon to be named network, you have to get it on the pickums. Unless you got a, a <sighs> note from your doctor that you're, you're a degenerate gambler and you can't be tempted. I would be okay with that. But otherwise it should be a law to get it with the strict, you know, background check we do for the soon to be named network. That's one of the reasons we need, you know, to know that you're good enough to do the picks or I'll let it slide. Either one's good with me. I think that's a good spot to end the show (laughs) before I say anything that may incriminate me. Anything untoward, if you will. Yes. Uh, So everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening to episode 466 of the Lamborghini of comic book podcast, Longbox Heroes. We're Todd. This is Joe saying thanks for listening. And we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs>